This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Uh, who who would you say was the the biggest offensive standout? I, I know I know Mason Laura looked looked great, um, but you know, frankly, uh, they don't. The Bruins don't need him in the opening night lineup on on the left side of the fence to make them a competitive team. But they do need some some help up front. And I guess I was wondering. I've heard uh, Matthew Quatra's name mentioned and having a strong strong uh, strong week uh, is there anybody else that stood out to you uh besides him that maybe you thought to yourself i could see this person playing really well in providence maybe this next year and the bruins could have something in this player maybe on, in a future bottom or middle six role uh yeah i mean quadras was was the big one he did have a great week um cl- just clear like high-end offensive skill, especially as a playmaker, but he also had some good finishes. And, you know, there were – I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter, but, like, among some Bruins fans, there's been almost like this underground push of, like, Poitras going to sneak up on people and win a job this year. And Sweeney confirmed that, like, he will be there for regular training camp and will play in the preseason or, you know, most likely play in the preseason. to think he's going to be ready to make the NHL roster just yet. I think another year in the OHL would not be a bad thing at all. Um, you know, a, a, a lot of, so a lot of the guys who like could potentially make roster pushes obviously weren't there because they've kind of aged out, you know, like Merkulov, Beecher, McLaughlin. Um, one I think is going to be interesting is Brett Harrison, who was their 2020, yeah, 2021 third round pick. Um, and will be in Providence this year is a natural center, but they're going to start him on the wing, which they've done a couple times recently, including with Merkulov last year, basically just to kind of ease their transition to the pro game, take a little bit off their plate, let them play, you know, playing one of like the top two or three lines with maybe a more experienced center, someone who's played in the AHL before. Um, but Harrison has a really good shot. He's, he's a goal scorer. Um, has some size. So I feel like his game could translate well to the wing. And I think he's going to be an interesting one to watch down there. Um, you know, see if he can score at that level and then potentially, you know, move back to center at some point during the season and start to get experience there. We know, we know the Bruins need to develop centers and he's, he's one of the exciting young ones. Obviously Poitra is, is another, um, you know, we got to see the, uh, the 2023 draft picks who are obviously all longer term projects. None of them are even going to be in Providence this year, never mind Boston. But I think Chris Pelosi, Beckett Hendrickson saw some skill. Both definitely have some bulking up to do. Like they, when you see them off the ice, they legitimately look skinny. So 
um, you know, but they're only 18. So that's, that's okay. Uh, Ryan Walsh field, who was their six round pick. He was second in the USHL in scoring last year and made a lot of good plays with the puck. Um, looked, you know, he's a little older. He went undrafted twice. So this was the last year he was eligible, but you kind of feel you kind of got the sense of like they, this could be a late bloomer type player. Um, he's heading to Cornell and he's just, he's not very flashy, but he seems to always make the right plays. So I don't know. He just scored a ton in the USHL. Like maybe it translates to college now. And I don't know three, four years down the road, like maybe you have something. So those were, those are some of the guys up front that stood out. Um, but in terms of specifically like looking at Providence, Harrison, I think would, would be the most interesting. Yeah, see, I'll, I'll have an eye on him, Scott, because uh, we see Cornell quite a few times. Uh, I, I watch a lot of Cornell hockey just because I broadcast Yale hockey, so I'll have an eye on him for sure. Well, Scott and, and, and Bridget, I wonder if you guys see this this comparison, and, and I don't like doing player-to-player comparisons, especially when one player is a established NHL, uh, you know, top six forward, but – when I look at Matthew Poitra, and maybe it's just the way that – maybe it's his stature and the way he wears his equipment, but it's also people saying that he doesn't have the best speed in the world, but he's got great IQ, great vision, makes things happen. And and if he would have turned into a player like this, I mean, the, the Bruins would have hit a home run at the 54th overall pick. But he gives me, he gives me Nick Suzuki vibes, and I don't know if that's just a total stretch based on, like I said – like physical appearance when they're on the ice, they look kind of similar the way they, they dress and their stature and just some of the attributes people talk about lack of speed maybe, but everything else is kind of there. Is that, is that a type of NHL player the Bruins would like could realistically hope maybe he could turn into, or is that just like really, really like that would be an absolute home run at 54 and that's not likely. Yeah. I mean, that would definitely be a home run. I thought, I thought you were going to go closer to home because I've heard people make the Krejci comparison. Um, which again, like not a ton of speed, good vision, good playmaking, you know, does kind of like slow things down and should shoot more. Like we've heard, we heard that about crazy forever. So um, yeah, obviously both of those would be like the, the home run upside best case scenario. I mean, crazy, you know, was basically the number one center on a title team. Very good top six center his entire career. Suzuki, clearly a very good top six center, you know, centers Montreal's top line, which obviously isn't the best top line in the world, but he's still, you know, a good player. Um, So yeah, those like, those are both fair. If you're looking at like, what is the, almost like the best case scenario, everything breaks right. Like what can he be, you know, four years, three, four years from now? Um, You know, I, I guess like my instinct in situations like this is always like slow, try to slow the hype down because that's just like not fair to him at this point to be like, Oh, he's the next Krejci or, you know, he's Nick Suzuki or whatever. But yeah, like if you're just talking about style and what he could be, if his development continues to, you know, to really go along an upward trajectory, like, yeah, that, that would be best case scenarios. You're looking at a player like that. Yeah, right, and that would that would be exciting if that's if 
you know, that's what the ceiling could be for him. Um, and, you know, you can, as with Krejci, they found Krejci later in the draft. He was not, no first round draft pick either. So um, you know, sometimes you find someone in the second, third round, fourth round, um, and which the Bruins have had to because they've, they've been giving away those first round picks. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I, I brought up Suzuki too, just because like, I, I mean, to call, to say Poitra would be a future number one center for the Bruins is, you know, that, that's, that's a stretch. I know that, but Suzuki, uh, is he a number one center on every NHL team that I, I, I'm not sold on necessarily depends on what team we're talking. Right. So he's probably number one center on maybe 60% of the NHL teams, maybe 50%, but not all of them. And he's, in he's a, he had 40 points a couple of years and he, and he's just gotten into, I think 66 points this past year. So like, I brought up Suzuki just because I don't think it's like an astronomical stretch to like hope that this player could be a 40, 50 point player for the Bruins in the future and a really capable two way number, uh, you know, uh, top two center for the Bruins. And, and, you know, I've just heard nothing but positive things about, about him. And, and as we know, we've talked about it in the past, the Bruins built a championship core on non first round picks. Um, right. So we've talked about them before Bergeron, Marsh and Krejci, Lucic, I mean, and Tampa Bay, their, their, their championship teams had a, were, were littered with outside of Stamkos and Hedman, and they were littered with with non first round round skaters. Even even with for Florida this year, Brendan Montour was picked fifty second, I think in the two thousand fifteen draft. So he was a second round pick. Mm-hmm. He is one of their best players this run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, so that's that's a. Uh, I think, I think at this point, I feel comfortable in saying that. He'll be a, he'll be a, a a top nine center for the Bruins at least in his career, just based on what everybody's saying and and you, you hope that it works out. But he seems like a promising player, a promising prospect for them. Uh, is he going to be their savior? You know, probably not. But you know, it's 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 uh because you know it's easy to look at Bergeron and Krejci and and their potential absences in particular Bergeron, right? I mean, we've gotten used we've kind of gotten used to life without Krejci last year and. I think we kind of know the inevitable this year. I'd be surprised if he came back this year. But, you know, Charlie Coyle, like, he's still under contract, but he's 30, I think 31 years old. Um, Pablo Zaka is really the only center that you have that's like, you know, you, you know he at least has a decade left in this league. So uh, it's just good to not, – not only just to, for, for Bergeron, but the, the, the center's position in general, it's just good to have have prospects and guys lined up. And I think Poitras a good start, and we'll see if Harrison can turn into one as well. But – so interesting, interesting notes from, from development camp. Was there anything else that you guys talked about last week regarding that um, that was worth discussing? I know we have probably have a few minutes left here, but just any final thoughts you guys wanted to discuss? No, I guess just, just one last thing on the centers. It's like at least now you see chances. Like at least you see opportunities of guys who could be something and could help you solve this issue. And yeah, it probably it didn't totally line up right because they're not ready as Bergeron and Krejci are actually retiring. If, you know, I think we all think Krejci's probably gone, you know, at least in terms of playing in the NHL, um, Bergeron will see, but like what was frustrating was all those years where it was like, they don't even have anything coming up. Like there's not even, you know, a center prospect that looks like he could be a, first or second line center and again like you know whether it's Merkelov, Poitra, Harrison, 
you know, whoever, it's like, they're not all going to pan out in the sense of like being legitimate top six or even top nine centers, but at least they're guys now that you look at and you're like, well, they could be if things go well, if they really develop, you know, the right way and stay on an upward trajectory, like at, at least there's some hope there, you know, the, doesn't mean you're you're going to be able to solve the center problem internally. Maybe not, you know, we're, we'll find out. But at least there's guys there that you're like, all right, they have a chance. Like, at least you might hit on one or two of these guys and they become, uh, you know, like foundational pieces for you and play and help you win for years to come. And I, yeah, I think that we've pretty much covered everything for this episode that I want to talk about uh, tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow, Scott. <laughs> tomorrow morning. Aren't you lucky? I'm ready. I'll see you. And the cup, hopefully. <laughs> you going to kiss it or what? Put some cereal yeah. in the uh, If they let me near it. <laughs> if, they, if they let me near it, I'm going to be like, Scott, quick, take a, take a quick picture of me over here. <laughs> I'm wondering if uh, the little arcade room upstairs at Skate 3, if that, I don't even know if that's still there, but see if that's open. Uh, the arcade room? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's long gone. <laughs> that's long gone. Um, yeah, well, you guys enjoy that. I was fortunate enough to, to get a picture with the Cup back in 2012 when the Kings won it. Somebody from the Kings organization, I think, was uh, one of the, and the training staff maybe was from the area. And I think I went to like the, I think it was like Chelmsford, like VFW or something or something like that. It was around there, but that was that was pretty cool. Um, so you guys, if you haven't, have you either of you seen the cup before? No, in person. Yeah, the cup. you have cut. You have Scott. Yeah, not me. So we we had Brid Bridget, famous famously and much her dismay missed it, but we had it at in the WI studio in 2019 um, mm-hmm. when the Bruins were in the final. They brought yep. it the cup people brought it in for a day and um one day like interviewed someone on air or something i don't know i forget but yeah they had like in our conference room and we all got to touch it take a picture with it not me i was in hawaii i mean i i don't feel bad like (laughs) i was so mad i was in maui and i saw tyler post a picture of it and i was like i never thought i'd be in maui going i wish i was at work today i missed the freaking stanley cup but uh, hey, maybe I'll get to talk to, to the cup guy. Because if the whole broadcasting thing doesn't work out for me, I could just be cup guy. Just bring the cup everywhere. The The first cup celebration I went to was the Ray Bork rally when he won with Colorado. I, yep. I went to that as a kid. Mm, well, unfortunately, there, there may have been a, a couple of the chances to see in 2019 around here, but mm. it had to go back to St. Louis. But... um. <laughs> any event uh you two enjoy your day with the cup you guys have earned it you've mm-hmm. worked your whole lives for it all the blood sweat tears that go into into hoisting that that 35 pounds of silver um so definitely cherish it and just don't I, forget to, don't forget to yellow yellow to uh, uh fucking rights when you should when i you should i try to uh reignite the Dorica chelmsford rivalry and like steal it bring it to the hollenborg or something oh that would be <laughs> that would be that. That would definitely spark some uh, some hatred for sure. Yeah, Cup Scott dating. would never do that to a former BU guy, though. 
That's right. Yeah. If if he were BC guy, then absolutely. Yeah. But but you know, it's a fellow fellow B where he he couldn't. Mm. All right, guys. Well, we're about a, an hour into this, so I think we're probably good to wrap it up. Um, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you very soon.